The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Everybody take your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 30. I'm not preaching on love. Uh, I'm preaching on something else. The title of the message is Christian Aspirations. Would you say that with me? Christian Aspirations. One more time, please. Christian Aspirations. I love this passage, Proverbs 31 through 9. And we've just, we've just passed the prime resolution season when, when a lot of people make resolutions. Can I give you a secret um, about my personal life? I don't do well with those, all right? So I'm going to use the word aspirations instead of resolutions. You see, aspiration speaks of, of something that's more general, okay? And it can affect many areas of life. When we say resolution, uh, when we think of a resolution, we think of something specific, okay? And for me, it tends to lead to disappointment. Who's with me out there? It's like, I, I, I'm going to diet. I, I'm, I'm determined to diet after I eat this donut, okay? I'm, uh, I'm going to exercise every day starting tomorrow. Or uh, I'm going to exercise every day and then you fail and your everyday resolution becomes useless. So that's me. I struggle with that. Uh, I think this is a better word for us as Christians. In fact, we're going to look at Proverbs 30, but don't be confused. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, so it contains universal truths, truths that are not isolated to any dispensation. So because it's a book of wisdom, it's not isolated to the Old Covenant. We can draw truths from this for our life today as as New Testament Christians. That's why I'm calling this Christian aspirations. We're going to look at three aspirations from the words of Agur here, biblical Christian aspirations for success. And uh, I, I, I hope that you do not soon forget these, and I hope that you make these a part of your life, okay? So let's look at verse 30, or chapter 30, verse 1. The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel, and you call, okay? So stop there. This passage presents some divinely given instruction of this, this professor of sorts, this teacher to two pupils, and their names are listed there. And of course, we're the pupils today, as well as as this has been conveyed to us down through time. So this prophetic teacher is giving this divinely guided instruction to these two pupils. And the first nine verses of this passage form the framework of what we should aspire to or yearn for as Christians in our life. These are Christian aspirations. Aspiration number one, aspiration number one of Agur here is more wisdom. He said, my desire is for more wisdom. God, give me more wisdom. Look how it reads, verse two. Surely I am more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learn wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. He said, I I need more wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? 
you read 10 commentators on the Bible, you get 10 different definitions, and most of them are all the same. So let me just give you some. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. Have you heard that one before? So wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. Wisdom is God's word at work. It's the, it's the knowledge of God's word put into practice. It's Bible principle put into practice. It's biblical know-how, Bible principle put into practice. Now, this is an amazing statement. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. What's a, what's a synonym for principle? The primary Wisdom is the primary thing in life. Wisdom is the most important thing in life. Of all the things in life that you could have, the most important thing in life that you could have is wisdom. Now, Jesus is the primary person in our life, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is made unto us wisdom. So we could say it this way. Jesus is the primary relationship in my life. Wisdom is the primary thing in my life. Jesus is the primary person Wisdom is the primary thing in life. It's more important than possessions. It's more important than prestige. It's more important than power. It's more important than anything you can have in life. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the number one thing in life. I hope you're here for more than just an academic education. I hope you're here to get wisdom, God's wisdom, to glean God's wisdom. And Agur says, "That's my hey, listen, pupils, this is my desire. I want God's wisdom. Now notice this. To know God's wisdom, you have to follow the example of Agur here and start with a proper perspective of your own ignorance. Look what he says. This is amazing to me. Verse 2, surely I am more brutish than any man. He's a professor talking to pupils. And he says, I want you to know, I'm the dumbest man I know. That's what he just said. Imagine your professor starting the semester that way. We have some professors up here. Imagine they, they start that way the semester. Be, before we start the class this semester, I'd like to say something. I'm the dumbest person I know. I'd just like you to know that. You're out there going, I can't wait for this class. This is going to be awesome. I'm the dumbest person I know. You say, what is that, Pastor Zach? Does this guy have an inferiority complex? No, it's, it's hyperbole. But here's what he's saying. I'm not smart enough to run my life. Young people, it's going to be a wonderful day in your life when you get there. It's going to be a wonderful, enlightening day in your life when you get to the place where you say, I'm not smart enough to run my life. With my little, little brain, I am not smart enough to run my life. I need God. I need his wisdom. I'm, I don't have it up here. You will never get to a place of wisdom. You and I both will never get to a place of wisdom until we come to this humble assessment of our complete intellectual ignorance compared to God's infinite intelligence. Look how it reads. He says, this is how you get here, pupils. This is how you get to this place in your life where you can even start to get God's wisdom. He said, ask yourself some questions. Verse 4, who has ascended up into heaven or descended? Here's some questions to ask yourself to get to this place. Have you ever been throughout the whole universe? Have you, have, you, have you or I ever traveled and seen everything in this universe? Only God has access to the whole universe and everything that's contained there. In fact, the Bible says he's infinite and he fills the universe. He fills it. I've never been everywhere. 
I'm so isolated to my place and space and time. I, my, my knowledge is so limited to my own little short existence. He said, Agur says to his pupils, have, have you been everywhere? Have you been everywhere? Have you seen everything? That's a good question to ask. Look at the next one. He says, who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Can you control the natural forces? Can you even explain them? Can I explain the natural forces? Can you or I start a hurricane? Can we stop one? Do we really even know at this point how they happen? The forecasters were 300 miles off with the last one that hit here. It was supposed to hit 300 miles from here. And it turned overnight. We, we don't know. We don't know the natural forces. We don't know how they work. We have a little knowledge of how they work, but it is so far beyond us. Who's with me? Who's with me? Have you been everywhere? Have you seen everything? Can you explain the natural forces? Look at the next one. Who hath established all the ends of the earth? Who created this earth? Who maintains all the delicate ecosystems? God does. I can't even explain them. I can recognize them. I can see them at work. I go, wow, that's amazing how that works, but I can't explain them. And I certainly didn't create them. I am so limited in my knowledge. I need God. I can't run my own life. I'm not smart enough. And it's a wonderful day in your life when you get there. Agur says to his pupils, listen to me, we need God's wisdom. We need God's wisdom. And look how he says it in the next passage. He says, to have God's wisdom, you have to rely on his revelation. Look at verse 5, everyone. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. How are we going to get this revelation? He says in verse 4, we don't even know God or his son unless he tells us. Do you know, you know his son's name? No, not unless he tells us. We wouldn't even know who God is unless he told us. Without the Bible, we would have no, no, no knowledge of God. That's why in the book of Psalms it says God has, God has exalted his word above his name. Have you seen that passage? You say, how could that be? He exalted his word above his name? That's because you wouldn't even know his name without his word. We wouldn't even know who God is without his word. And so this passage says every word of God is what, everyone? Hey, hey help me, okay? Every word of God is what? is pure. Why? Because God is pure. Of course, every word of God is flawless because he's flawless. How many words of God are pure, everybody? Every. Every. Would you circle that in your Bible? That's an amazing statement to the inspiration and preservation of the word of God. There has to be a perfect witness of God's worth on, uh, word on the earth at all moments for that to be true. Because God is pure and, and his word is pure. Look at the next passage, verse 6. Add thou not unto his words. Well, how would we know if we're adding to his words unless we had every word? 
That's why Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Well, if God didn't preserve every word for every generation, that makes no sense. How can he expect me to live by it if I don't have it? And this passage says, don't add to any one of the words of God. And I believe God has not only inspired his word in, in the original uh, documents given to those that wrote it, but he has perfectly preserved it down through time in the traditional text behind the translation I have in front of me this morning. And uh, I can go to the word of God with confidence that every word of God is pure. It is true. I can bank my life upon it. It is God's wisdom for me today. And I can trust it. And if I add to it or take away, in the end, I'm going to be found to be a liar. And you know the worst kind of lies are the ones you tell yourself. The worst kind of lies are the ones we tell ourselves. And here's the biggest. I can run my life myself. I don't need God. I don't need God. I can do it myself. That is the biggest lie. It's the worst lie you could tell yourself. Why would we lie to ourselves? Why would we lie to ourselves? We, we should be smart enough to do this. This universe is way beyond me. God is amazing. His wisdom is awesome. Look what he's done. Look what he sustains. I don't understand it all. I don't, how, I don't understand how evil was put in the mix and God is using that. I don't get all that. But I tell you what, God is all wise, and I need him to run my life. I can't run it. I'm not smart enough. I'll, I'll be the first to raise my hand. That's why I get in the word every morning, because I'm not smart enough. I need God's wisdom, more wisdom, more wisdom, right here in his word, Agur tells us. It's right there. You can have it. You can have it, and God will speak to you, and the words will come off the page, and the Holy Spirit who wrote it is in your heart, and he will apply it to your situation. Now, there's not a verse in here that tells you what your career ought to be. You know, it's not, there's, not a person, uh, there's not a verse in here that tells you who to marry or, or what to say to someone. Or, you know, uh, it, it, but you say, well, then how do I know? The Holy Spirit takes this and applies it to your situation. Boom, boom, there. It's, every word of God is pure. That's where we find wisdom. Aspiration number one, more wisdom, more wisdom. That, sh that should be our aspiration in life. I'm not smart enough. I need God's wisdom. I need God's wisdom every day. Number two, less sin. Less sin. So more wisdom, less sin. Look how the next part reads. Verse seven, two things have I required of thee. Deny me not. Uh, them not before I die. I need two things, God, okay? Two more things here. I need wisdom, and then I need, verse 8, remove far from me vanity and lies. The short statement of Agur in the first part of verse 8 is instructive. I, I, I want more wisdom so I can sin less. <laughs> See, the eventual effect of God's wisdom is a holy hatred of sin. The fear of the Lord, right, is the beginning of the wisdom. And then Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, the evil way. To hate sin. A holy hatred for sin. God, take this vanity and lies 
the lies I would tell myself, my self-deceit and vanity, take this sin far from me. Take it far from me. The request to keep vanity and lies far from him reinforces the concept of lying in verse 6. When we rely on our own supposed wisdom and think we're smart enough to run our own life, we're proven to be liars. We're lying to ourselves. We're considering our own mind superior to the mind of God who created the universe. And this is vanity. It's worthless pride. And it leads to all kinds of sin in our life. Listen to Isaiah 5.18. Woe unto them who draw or drag iniquity with the cords of vanity. And sin as it were a cart rope. So you have a wagon behind you loaded with sin that you're dragging with the cords of vanity. I can run my own life and you're dragging around a wagon load of wickedness because of that vanity. And Agur says, I don't want that in my life. That leads to a mess. I don't want that. So please, Lord, give me wisdom so that I can sin less. Take from me vanity and self-deceit that degrades my experience of true success. Because true success comes in victory over sin. Agur wanted to be pardoned and released from the deception of vanity. And this should be our desire because our hearts are desperately wicked. Sin is the corrupt principle behind all bad decisions. It's the corrupt principle inside of us behind every bad decision we make. So you say, God... I don't want to make bad decisions. I want to act in your wisdom. Would you take this vanity and self-deceit from my mind? I'm going to put this up on the screen. We will never be sinless in this life, but we should desire to sin less. We will never be sinless in this life, but we should desire to sin less. Paul said, that's what I'm pressing for. That's what I'm pressing. I haven't arrived yet, but that's what I'm pressing toward. Have you ever thought of success in these terms? Have you ever thought of success in these terms? Success is to sin less. (laughs) The greatest successes we have in life are over our own personal sins. Victory over sin. And Agur understood this. He said, I need this. So God give me wisdom so that I can reach a state of greater holiness. This is my aspiration. Wisdom, more wisdom, less sin. Say that with me. More wisdom, less sin. More wisdom, less sin. Simple. That's your prayer every morning. God, more wisdom. Give me your wisdom. And I confess my sins to you. I remove the obstructions that are keeping back your Holy Spirit's control. Would you help me to walk in the Spirit so I don't walk in the flesh? Conquer my sinful spirit. Take it far from me. Take it far from me. Young people, to get to this place in your life, you have to evaluate every aspect of your life. You say, this is hard, Pastor. Yeah, you have to look at every aspect of your life. You have to to uncover every corner, every hidden closet. You have to open the door, let the Holy Spirit take a look and say, like David did, Lord, would you cleanse me and see if there's any wicked way in me? Is there any wicked way in me? Take it far from me. Take it far from me. 
And then God will give you practical steps to remove it consistently. More wisdom, less sin. Here's the last one, and this one's surprising. This one is countercultural right here. It's an amazing prayer. Look what he says. So I want, verse 8, to be removed from vanity and lies. Here's my second request. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. More wisdom, less sin, moderate means. He says, God, here's my last aspiration. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. Just give me what's convenient for me. Why does Agur follow his request to be removed from vanity and lies with a request to avoid the extremes of wealth and poverty? Because both conditions can cause a person to be deceived by vanity and falsehood as they become dissatisfied with God's provision. Let's consider that. First of all, the temptation of wealth. Here's the temptation of wealth. To get to the place where you say, I don't need God. So look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. He says, remove from me this, 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 these riches lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? I don't need God. I don't need God. I got all this stuff. I don't need God. So Lord, would you help me? By the way, tithing, tithing and sacrificial giving is a, is a tempering condition to keep you from this. If you're sacrificial in your giving, it keeps you from this. God gives you wealth, you give it back to the Lord's work, and you're sacrificial in it. God gives you more, you give it back. God gives you more, you give it back. And it's a, it's, it's a universal principle. It, 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 it supersedes the law. It came before the law. It's mentioned after the law in passages like Hebrews 7. And so you just keep giving back to God, and God gives you more, you give back to God. And his work, and God says, hey, if you do that, you're going to lay up treasure in heaven. I've got a great investment program, but it's over there. Now, I'll bless you in this life. Please don't get me wrong. And, and money is not wrong. Wealth is not wrong in and of itself. But God says, don't get stuck on that. Don't love that. Don't put your heart there. Set your affections on things above and lay up treasures in heaven. Send it ahead of you. And that'll help you with this spirit. Because Jesus said it's challenging for a rich person to go to heaven. And it's so easy for a wealthy Christian to come to a place where they discount God. Have you ever gone door to door in a uh, rich neighborhood? I mean, really rich neighborhood? When we were in Brantford, Connecticut, planning the church there, I went door to door and pretty much covered all the doors of the town. I had this one guy helping me. We covered them multiple times. But this guy, his name was Paul. Paul White, PCC graduate. Uh, he had a master's degree in accounting. He worked for GE Financial. But yet every weekend, he would come and help me go door to door. I go, Paul, man, praise God, thank you. God brought Paul because I needed some help. <laughs> and I needed a partner. And we would go door to door. And uh, I lived on the east side, of, uh, uh, excuse me, the west side of Brantford. The, the more wealthy neighborhoods were on the west side. And we, we covered the wealthy neighborhoods. I remember coming up this massive home and this lady comes out. I was go, about to, you know, press the, the, the button there and, and uh, uh, the doorbell. And she comes to the door and she comes out in a tennis outfit. And she goes, I don't know if I have time to talk to you. I'm heading to the country club to play some tennis. I go, oh, I tried to connect with her. I love tennis. I love tennis too. <laughs> and she goes, are you a member of the club? The country club? I said, well, no, I'm not. She goes, uh, uh, where do you live? I said, oh, I live on the east side of town. 
conversation over. You live where? I live on, oh, I live on name the street. She knew where I lived. Conversation over. She looked down her nose at me, walked right past me with her tennis outfit and tennis gear on. She wasn't, you say, Pastor Zach, you caught her busy. I understand that she didn't have to look down her nose at me, though. Here's the impression I got. I, I, I don't want to hear about religion. And anybody who's gone door to door in a rich neighborhood knows exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus said, they can be saved, but it's very hard. Like putting a camel through the eye of a needle. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 6-10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we'll carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich, I mean, that's their goal in life. Paul said, they're going to fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many arrows. Later on he said, hey, it's not sinful to be rich, but he said, hey, charge them, verse 17, that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate or share, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they lay hold on eternal life. Not that they earn eternal life, but they grasp eternal life's tangible benefits. Set your affection on things above. Lay up treasures in heaven. Put your aspiration there. Not in just making a lot of money. How futile is that? Because you can't take it with you. So Agur says, hey, keep me from the temptation of wealth to lie to myself and say that I don't need God. But also keep me from the temptation of poverty. Look what he says. Don't, don't give me poverty or riches. Verse 9, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. An extremely poor person is led to the sin, can be led to the sin of believing God's provision cannot be trusted. And so they begin to manipulate or lie to survive or steal to survive. And so Agur says, I don't want to go there either. I don't want to go to the one extreme or to the other. Tell you what, God, here's my prayer. Just feed me with food convenient for me. Just feed me with food convenient for me. The base word for convenient could be uh, the English word allotted. Agur is saying, God, give me the allotment. Give me the allowance that is suitable, suitable for my stage in life. Just give me the allowance that's suitable for my stage in life. Whatever. Whatever that is, I'm going to leave that with you. I'm going to work hard, do my best for you, do my best and leave it with you. I'm not going to seek riches in life. If they come, so be it. And I'll be, I'll be willing to share and communicate and distribute. But just give me food convenient for me. Oh, what a wonderful way to live. You don't have the pressure then. You just say, I'm going to do my best and let God take care of that. And let God take care of me. And I'm standing here by experience. And I will tell you, you give your life to God and he will take care of you. 
in this life. And I don't know about this yet, but I know it's coming. The life to come. The life to come. You remember when you received your first allowance? If you got an allowance from your parents? I remember. I mean, a dollar seemed like a million to you. You're just a kid, you know, and they hand you something green and you're like, oh, wow, I'm rich. It's a buck. You didn't know that. It's a dollar. I can buy some candy. And you race off to buy whatever you can with it. And your mom and dad say, here, we're going to give you this. You worked hard with your chores this week. Here's a dollar. You didn't know the difference. You're only what? I don't know. Six, seven, eight. You say, my parents never gave me that. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, But I've been deprived. All right, all right. But I know how I felt. And that's how I feel by the grace of God when I'm right with God every day. I am so blessed. I'm alive. I'm breathing. Amen. I got a wonderful family that loves me. A wife who stayed with me, loves me. A wonderful ministry. I'm speaking to you guys. Clothes on my back, roof over my head. Ate a good breakfast this morning. Oatmeal, you ought to try it. It's good. It's not just for old people. Amen. I am so blessed. God has been so good. I don't need what this ungodly world has to offer. God has been so good to me. And I'm going to heaven. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise. Seek God first. More wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. Is this your aspiration today? I need your wisdom. I'm not smart enough to run my life, God. I need your wisdom from your word. Lord, give me more wisdom. Less sin. Lord, help me to... Help me to be removed from vanity and lies. Take that from me today. Take it far from me so that I walk in your way, so that I walk in your spirit and I don't make bad decisions. More wisdom, less sin. Moderate means, God, just give me what I need. Just feed me with food convenient for me and I'll be thankful. Let's put this up. Here's our prayer today. God, please give me what I need and help me to be thankful. Give me what I need and help me to be thankful. There it is. Christian aspiration. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.